People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. Hello again, Worldwide Brothers Talk family, wherever you are, in the car, the gym, den, the kitchen, barber, beauty shop, in the backyard, on the corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations spurring critical thinking and activism to support the Black community. We welcome our first-time listeners as you join us in keeping the fight going to lift up critical thought and with the enlightened conversations while we continue to promote new and existing Black business opportunities to empower and enrich our community. This week in coronavirus, we'll keep being reminded that COVID is still here. It's still extremely infectious, still killing over 500 people a day in its third year of existence. And again, we're encouraging everyone to get vaccinated if you haven't already. And now they also have treatment for those who get infected even after having gotten their shots. So as always, please stay vigilant in avoiding both people and situations where you might get exposed and don't get complacent and let your guard down as you go about your regular and daily routine. Keep wearing your mask, keep taking the necessary precautions when you're out and about, regardless of what you see other folks doing, because we don't really want to lose any of our loved ones. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm. Hey, Rod. Uh, I really appreciate that with that those uh, comments that you made, because I, that was on my line of thinking. Uh, first, family, I want to thank you for your uh, continued support, but I have some close relatives and friends who recently had the virus and uh, somebody close to me uh, has the virus now and they've been vaccinated and, and boosted and all of that. And one of them is having, you know, a tough time. So this stuff is still real. I think that people are actually uh, hearing what they want to hear when president Biden said, uh, Hey, the pandemic is over, but you know, he did also said, but, you know, it's, it's still around. It's still, you know, going to have an impact. And people just jumped on that first part of it that the pandemic is over. And he kind of, he's getting bashed for it, but some folks are just kind of literally taking that literal. And they're not taking any precautions, and, and I think they should. And um, just to remind everybody, because the pre-existing conditions, health conditions that we have in our community, the virus is like 10 times worse for us so when Rod and Scott, you know, deliver these messages to the community, we really want you to take it at heart that it's going to be way worse for us. So please take care of yourselves. Periodically, we have to do our sports roundup, and this is that show. So let's start with another topic that we've been out front on, family, and that's the lack of coverage of welfare queen Brett Favre. And so... Our listeners know for a fact that for the past three or four episodes, we've continued to point out the fact that there was so little coverage of Brett Favre, while other issues involving Black athletes, like most recently the situation with Ime Udoka, 
has been getting almost like nonstop coverage. Well, we're glad to see now that it's gotten some traction because now there are is really some blowback against Brett Favre, even though it seems to have taken just a mountain of information while we know for a fact that people like Michael Vick never had a prayer of getting a fair shake around what was going on with him, but they were looking for every opportunity to give Brett Favre a way out. But the more information and evidence that mounted, now they're starting to take some action. So we're still going to monitor the situation to see if it gets the kind of wall-to-wall coverage that Ime Udoka is getting, but I suspect not. You know, this whole Brent Favre situation, too, uh, is another example of white privilege and the wealthy, you know, powerful. Uh, I, I'm just when I try to think about this and talk to talk to people who who can't think below the, uh, the surface, just think about if you go in there and rob a bank. Let's say you rob a bank, and then uh, the next day you decide, you know what? I'm 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 going to give the money back. Or you got caught, they know who you are or whatever, and then you decided, you know, hey, I gave the money back. Do you think they're going to give you the kind of treatment that they're giving Brent Favre or you're going to go to prison anyway? Because now they're saying, well, Brent paid one point whatever million back, and now they're saying that he just paid the principal back, Rod, I mean, the interest. And, Rod, you mentioned something about that uh, the, other, the other day when we were talking about it. You mentioned that, okay, he paid it back, but what about the interest? Now, today, I heard that he paid the interest back. But when you make a comparison like that, I wonder what people would think if if it was somebody who robbed a bank or or something like that or something that they can relate to. They can't really relate to or don't want to relate to a star unless, or, or anybody in that position having the opportunity to put that kind of thing in motion to steal money from poor people. So it makes me think that this has been going on for a long time. I mean, uh, the way the conversation went that they might need to start inspecting, you know, investigating the whole state and other states probably doing the same thing. Some of these poor states. Well, since two people have already actually three people have already cut deals and have basically pled guilty to well about a dozen felonies they're going to be working with the authorities and Barb's truth's going to come out all the way out and he yep. will be charged. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's going to be charged returning the money or what, or what have you. It really doesn't matter at this point. And the fact that he's been lying so much by his own text messages showing right. that he was actually dealing with the governor directly and in meetings planning all of this. So he was well aware where this money was coming from and what it was going to be used for. So he's just as complicit as any of these other people. So he's going to be charged and he's, he'll be going to jail. And then there's the Ime Udoka situation and how they've been so quick to throw his name out in the public without mentioning the woman involved, other than to say she was married and it was a consensual, intimate relationship. Now they want to say she complained But that doesn't absolve her of being complicit, and there was certainly no mention of any punitive action taken toward her. 
Because if you have a policy like they're saying, this was an organizational policy, it was not an NBA policy, this is a Boston Celtics policy that they say that he violated on numerous occasions. Well, the bottom line is that if that's your policy, then she obviously violated it as well. And so it just seems to be another one of those double standards where if you're a black man, they can have no scruples and no hesitancy in blasting you and putting you out there on front street. But if she was involved and as they said, it was not a situation where he harassed her or anything. They're saying it was a, a situation that was a consensual relationship. So then I just can't quite understand why they fail. Now they've been names thrown around out there, but I just wonder why on the major newscast and ESPN, they're not putting her name out there. She is a, a, an officer in that sports organization. So her name should be equally as fair game as Udoka. You know, this is just another attempt to uh, assassinate the character of black men, the characters of black men through this, this one successful black guy. You know, he's proven that he's a good coach. He's a great communicator. People have respect for him. And I'm not condoning um, anybody cheating in any relationship. I'm not condoning marital spouses to to commit adultery. But these were two consenting adults. If these were two consenting adults, uh, what does these other people who are judging them have anything to do with it? That That's one of the real issues that I have with this. This should be between three people, uh, these two guys, these two people, and the spouse that was involved. Now you got the whole organization, the whole world, looking at how this, this successful young man character is being assassinated. And like you said, Rod, no mention of the woman. You know, she's a victim. All of a sudden, she's become the victim. And I, I totally agree with that. They want to uh, basically protect the women and lynch the brother. Basically, they could have just fired him and said it was for internal policy, and they could have just moved on, but they decided to suspend them for a year, which literally means this is going to drag on for a year. They're going to drag him through the mud, through the media for an entire year while protecting the woman. And this is really on the Celtics because they put this out on, in the main street anyway. So this is really on them. And you still can't get past the fact that they are now as you said, Norm, dragging his name, and now they're discussing the whole process, saying that they had a, hired an outside law firm and conducted an extensive long-term investigation. Well, how long-term? Because why did it just now start to hit the fan as they're ready to start the new season? Was this long-term investigation going on while they were in the playoffs and in the finals last year? And so you just have one more evidence of these kinds of double standards because i couldn't agree with you more scott that i don't know why companies still think that they're going to have any real success in trying to legislate morality because it's just not going to ever work from time immemorial that's just been something that people are if their matters of the heart are involved they're just going to risk it that's it to me when you take a look as you guys will speak was talking i was thinking about okay we have this situation with the Celtics coach. We had a drug uh, uh, Watson, Sean Watson, through the mud for a whole year, and he continued to. Like you said, Norm, they're going to do a, 
a, a, a hit job on him for a whole year. And that's what they did to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson and there were two grand jury in, uh, investigations. We've gone through this, all the process, all the digging that they did with the private investigators, the two grand jury investigation, and, and the police investigation. And they all said nothing was there, but yet his character was assassinated and he's not being allowed to, to work, pretty much. I keep hearing people referencing the report issued by the law firm that the Celtics have hired and just wondering, how can you reference a report that you don't have access to? While we hear exactly what happens with Ime Udoka and what happened with Deshaun Watson, let's not forget that Bob Kraft, who you had actual video evidence against, because you don't have any of that against Ime or Deshaun Watson, but you had video evidence against the owner of the New England Patriots, Bob Kraft. And so what was his punishment? He was enshrined in the Hall of Fame this year. So the uh, next thing that I, I have to mention is because, Scott, you sent this information to me, and we talked about that here is, are the San Francisco 49ers. So they lose Trey Lance in the first game of the year for the season. And so I don't think it's any secret that the 49ers had decided they wanted a quarterback who was much more mobile, a quarterback who had more of a threat offensively than Jimmy Garoppolo. So once Trey Lance goes down, meaning that the offense that they designed was designed for a quarterback like Trey Lance. So they did re-sign Jimmy Garoppolo, and Garoppolo is playing for them. So who do they look to be his backup? They go out, and you gave me these names. Kurt Binkert, never heard of him. A.J. Yeah. McCarron, scrub. Yeah. Gary yeah. cast off from the Cowboys. Kevin Hogan, cast off from the Cowboys. <laughs> and Mike Glennon, who has shown already that he doesn't know how to play. So what do these guys all have in common? They are stiff white who cannot play and who are who's not on this list. No Colin Kaepernick, who did play for the 49ers. No Cam Newton, who may have deteriorated, but still is a guy who has an MVP and a Super Bowl appearance. No Vince Young, who was drummed out of the league because of Jeff Fisher. And everybody knows that it, that Vince Young can still play the game, but he doesn't get a call. So this is just one more example of what we see when we talk about the gross standard of mediocrity. Uh, I, I couldn't have said that better, uh, uh, Rod. Uh, that When I saw that article that I sent to you, I was like, I mean, is this for real? You know what I mean? Is this something that somebody's suggesting? And then I read it, and, and they actually are considering all of these guys. And I'm like, this is incredible. If you take a look at what's happening right now in college football, every major program except for that University of Georgia. Uh, and we know that, you know, here's a 25-year-old man playing with 18-year-olds. But, hey, hey, he won I, I can't take that away from me. He led them to a national championship. But right now, when you look at these programs, there's nothing but brothers. I hear black guys quarterbacking at these uh, programs because, like you said, Rod, the offense, offenses have been designed. Now you have to have a mobile quarterback because the defensive guys are too big and strong. You know, too big, fast, and strong. and But yet, these same brothers who are out here, I'm saying this now, you'll see it when the draft time comes, who are out here leading these teams to national championships every year, they're not going to be 
and some of them might not even get drafted. You might get one or two of them, you know, because they went to Alabama or a school like that, or Ohio State, but it's not going to be many. Well, my question is, how does someone like the former GM of the Chicago Bears, Ryan Pace, who literally passed on two future franchise quarterbacks to trade up one spot and draft Mitchell Trubisky with the number two pick. How does he get a job as the head of player personnel for the Atlanta Falcons? (laughs) That's just one more opportunity that we have to talk about what it means to be mediocre, which leads into our final topic, which is how the Washington Post had a story about the way the NFL is basically being hypocrites on display with the black coaching situation because they noted referencing a New York Times article that talked about how ineffective the Rooney Rule had been that since 2000 when they instituted the Rooney Rule and let's not forget that the Rooney Rule was only to protect them because Johnny Cochran was about to light up the league with a lawsuit and so their response was to put in the Rooney Rule that basically only says that they will interview uh, black coaches but There were three black coaches when the Rooney Rule went into effect. And according to the Washington Post, there are three now. And so, you know, we laugh and say, well, three and a half because of the the multiracial coach who is coaching the Dolphins. But at the end of the day, it's Lovey Smith, it's Mike Tomlin, and it's Todd Bowles. And so they talk about in this article that there's many paths to white mediocre coaches getting to become head coaches, but there's literally only one path for blacks to become head coaches. And that's through the either offensive or defensive coordinator role. But even in that, the article says that they have to spend nine years on average longer in those positions before getting a head coaching job. When we see all around the league position coaches getting head coaching jobs, we see guys who just basically got elevated from one year to the next, or they're related to somebody in the organization getting head coaching jobs. And so they just got all these other ways. And yet the article really pointed out that black coaches are at least as successful and in most instances more successful and that they can still get fired even when they have above 500 records when coaches, white coaches with under 500 records can hold on to their job for years. That article that you mentioned, uh, I was listening to, I think his name, Michael Smith Carnage, on uh, XM Radio the other day. And he was talking about he, the guy who actually wrote that article. He was having him on there as a guest. So they've been looking at other folks outside of the NFL. I mean, we've been talking about it for, for years, and we talked about it on this show a number of times uh, about, you know, black coaches not getting the opportunity. You know, black players, ex-players, uh, position, uh, no position coaches uh, because you can't even get the coordinators, can't even get an opportunity. So, you know, a position coach is not going to get an opportunity. Um, so, we, you know, we've been talking about that. It was interesting that they they are finally looking at that and saying, you know, hey, this is this is a sham. And uh, Smith, Smith Carnish show was uh most of his show was about that. They were talking about that. And they were saying some of the same things that we've been saying that, you know, uh, these white boys get these opportunities. I mean, look at all these real young white head coaches. A lot of them in there now started when they was like 40, 41 and 30 something. 
you know, I mean, that, I don't know no black coach. I mean, with that Raheem Morris, he might have been under 40 or under 50 when he got an opportunity, but I don't know of too many – that Joseph do, but I don't know too many other coaches. They are, there are a lot of young white-haired coaches in the NFL. Well, my favorite example would be the New York Giants. Literally, over a six-year period, they hired three incompetent white coaches. One of them wasn't even a coordinator. One of them was a special teams coach. Eric Bieniemy can't even get an interview. You know, there's something really wrong here, and it's just plain old racism 101. And, you know, and what is really significant about what you just said there, Norm, is that one of the surest paths to being a head coach in the past was if your team made it to the Super Bowl. You can go around the league and find the guys who were offensive and defensive coordinators who were white, who went directly from the Super Bowl to getting a head coaching job, no matter how horrible a job they did. Like, of course, we remember that call in the Super Bowl for Seattle, or we remember how the Atlanta Falcons gave up a Super Bowl. But we've got two offensive coordinators in Eric Bieniemy and in Leftwich. Byron Leftwich, right, who have been to multiple Super Bowls and haven't gotten a sniff at being a head coach. And for whatever reason, they don't even try to really hide that part of the process. This is just one more opportunity for us to put it on the front line and we'll be continuing to put it out there because that's what we do. In our Black Business Spotlight, meet Stacy Woodson, a registered dietitian, food activist, and HBCU graduate from Philadelphia, who's partnered with her 10-year-old daughter, Paige, to write and release Grow, Eat, Repeat, a love letter to Black Eyed Peas, a beautiful children's book that centers on the beauty of Black culture by displaying the intimate relationship between generations of family, Black history, and their garden. The new book aims to illustrate the beauty and value of growing your own food, especially black-eyed peas, written to nourish the mind, body, and soul by exploring nutrition, science, family, and black history, while artfully highlighting the special bond between daughters, their mothers, and their gardens. Stacy is a registered dietitian that believes all people should have access to nourishing foods and culturally sensitive nutrition education. She's also a proud graduate of Hampton University. She earned her Master of Science in Clinical Nutrition from NYU. For more information, visit her official website at stacywoodson.com. That's a wrap for another program, and God willing, we'll keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Don't forget you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next episode, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and interest, and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And remember, let's do better today, because that's all we really have.